Relationship goals. What are some of the goals that you have in your mind for the relationships that you hold dear in your life? What words come to your mind? Maybe happiness, maybe good communication, maybe longevity. Hopefully none of the words on the screen uh, come to your mind. Um, I'm sure none of you think of them overwhelming, draining, risky, because those don't sound like a recipe for a, a healthy or fulfilling relationship. But the truth is sometimes relationships feel like that. And it gets to the point where it just doesn't make sense. And it all inevitably leads to frustration and anxiety and this lack of desire to even want to invest in that relationship at all. Anyone else struggle with math in life like me? You kind of just stare at the numbers, trying to add it all up, trying to get it to make sense. But all it does is make your brain hurt. Relationships can sometimes feel like a difficult math problem, not making sense and only making your brain hurt. So what can... Help us make sense of loving others. Uh, What can we add and subtract to help us achieve the goals that we have for the relationships in our lives? Because here's the truth. No matter what goal you may have, relationships matter. The connections we have with other people, they make a difference in our lives. And when those relationships are strong and healthy, it changes absolutely everything, doesn't it? The next few weeks, we're going to focus on how we can strengthen our relationships with others. or We're going to focus on how we can make sense of loving others, investing in our relationships so that, not, so that we're not feeling overwhelmed or drained and we're not feeling like it's just all too risky. I believe healthy and strong relationships are rooted in a healthy and strong relationship with God. It all starts with our relationship with God. That is the foundation. That is the rock that we build everything on. And we see from the very beginning, at the very start of creation, God's desire to have a relationship with us humans. It's something I mentioned weeks ago in a sermon through creation. We see God revealing himself to humanity, making it known that he wants a relationship with us, not a one-sided relationship, but a, a strong and healthy relationship where both parties are giving forth effort. And through God's creation, we realize his power, his grace, and his love, and the things that are active in our lives because of our relationship with him, our foundation. The other thing we see in the beginning is God's desire for us to have relationships with others. Here's what it says in Genesis. God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make him a helper, a companion. We were not created to be alone. After God created Adam, he gave him animals, gave him birds, gave him other creatures. But God knew that Adam needed some other kind of connection, some other kind of partner, a companion that could help him and that he could help as well. So God created Eve. He created a woman to be with Adam. God knew right away the importance of humans having relationship with one another, the importance of not being alone. So our relationships matter. They they matter to us, but they also matter to God. He wants us to have healthy relationships. He wants us to have helpers and companions in our lives. And he wants us to be helpers and companions in other people's lives. But it all starts with our relationship with him. 
And once we start building our relationship with God and we maintain and nurture that relationship, all the good stuff that comes from that relationship, it pours into our relationships with others. And that sounds nice, right? All right, good relationship with God. I'll I'll pray more, I'll read my Bible more, I'll strengthen my relationship with God and then all my relationships in life, they are gonna be easy after that. I think we all know it doesn't work like that, right? It's not that simple. And what do we know about people? People are not that simple. What do we know about people? What comes to mind? What words come to mind when you need to describe human beings? What word comes to my mind? Complicated. People are complicated. Every single person. And don't sit in those seats right now trying to think of all the people in your life that you think are complicated because often that's our initial response, right? Everyone else is complicated. Everyone else needs to get their life together. But me, nah, I'm good. Eh, Wrong answer, right? Uh, We are all complicated. You, me, all of us. We have different opinions, different likes, different dislikes, different pet peeves, different political views, pineapple on pizza, no pineapple on pizza. We are a mess. And then we bring all of that mess, all of those complications into our relationships, making them even more complicated. I think that's a math problem even I, all of us can do, right? Complicated plus complicated equals complicated, like a supersized, Godzilla-sized complicated. We then, we begin to focus more on the mess. And we focus on all the complications rather than focusing specifically on the person. And we forget about being that person's companion, about being that person's helper. We allow the sum of complicated plus complicated to begin to overwhelm and drain us. And then we begin to think, hey, this is just too risky. And what does focusing only on complications do? Focusing on complications will decrease your capacity to love others. And this can happen in any relationship. It can happen in your relationship with your parents, relationship with your spouse or kids, relationships with close friends. And before we know it, as those, re- as those complications take over in our relationships, we begin to feel trapped stuck in this box of a relationship that just doesn't make sense. You guys remember Etch-a-Sketches? I think we got a picture. (laughs) Oh yeah, so now some of you remember it. Uh, The other day I was sitting with my one-year-old son, JJ. um, His older brother had been playing with an Etch-a-Sketch. So so I'm sitting with JJ. I'm trying to keep him entertained and stuff like that, showing him what the Etch-a-Sketch is. I had not touched one in years, but I I start to twist and move the knobs um, so that he could see the lines beginning to form. On an Etch-a-Sketch, you have one knob and it makes the line go up and down. And the other knob, it makes the line go right or left. Getting those knobs to work in sync though can be difficult. Uh, So as I sat with him, what did I create? I created a box. (laughs) Line goes up, it goes to the right, it goes down and goes to the left. There's the box I created. I took a picture, sent it to my wife. She was not impressed. Um, But commanding those knobs is complicated. The fact that they go in different directions, getting your hands to follow two different commands at once, it is hard. So getting them to work together, it, it can be difficult. Before you know it, the the screen is just full of lines, just a mess of complications. 
Uh, or truthfully, we could just settle for making what's easy, right? Just making a box. Would you be happy with just settling for a box? I was not. I'm sure you would not be happy either. So, so I decided, okay, I'm going to do something better. I'm going to write my name. I'm going to show my son how I can write my name on this thing. So I, I do the J, easy. I do the A, no problem. I get to the K though, and I cannot figure out how to make the different angles on the K. Uh, but eventually I, I learned that if you move the knobs gently at the same time, very carefully, you could create curves and different angles And once you master it, rather than just creating a box, you can create something like this. Isn't that insane? If you look online, you can find tons of different Etch-A-Sketch art uh, made by people that have too much time on their hands. Um, (laughs) But it's incredible. Some of the things that they create, people that did not settle for a box, but learned how to make something incredible, even though there was an increased level of difficulty to it. But that's what we have to figure out for our relationships. Something that allows us to view things from different angles, different perspectives, uh, how we can work together, not just settling for feeling trapped in a box, not just settling for complications, but something that proclaims the beauty that God designed relationships to be. But how in the world do we guide ourselves to do that? What commands can we send to those knobs to get our relationships flowing congruently and fluidly? How can we build every relationship that we have on the foundation of our relationship with God? No longer focusing on the complications of of others or, or our own complications, but focusing on the simplicity of God's desire for our lives and our relationships. In the New Testament, we see an abundance of evidence portraying God's desire for us to have strong and healthy relationships with one another. Not only that, but God has given us very practical tools and steps to utilize in our relationships. In the book of Matthew, we find Jesus. He's he's teaching in the temple courts in Jerusalem. He's there and he's teaching a multitude of people, this huge crowd of people, people that are hanging on every word that he said. Most of the people, they they had just welcomed Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. As Jesus rode into the city on a donkey, people laid down their coats. They laid down palm branches. They welcomed Jesus as if they were welcoming a king. They, They were showing him their support and their loyalty. Upon his entry, the whole city was just talking about Jesus. So him being at the temple teaching, it brought a huge crowd. As Jesus taught, there were a few groups of people in that crowd, though, that did not like what Jesus was teaching. These groups of people had actually been trying to figure out how they could get rid of Jesus, how how they could kill him. A few different times while Jesus taught, these groups of people would try to embarrass Jesus, they they try to ask Jesus difficult questions that they hoped he would struggle to answer. Some of you middle school teachers out there, you know exactly what that feels like, right? Um, On this particular day, though, in the the temple courts, a group of people known as the Pharisees wanted to do just that in front of the entire crowd of people. They wanted to complicate things for Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. The Pharisees went out. They made plans to trap Jesus with his own 
words. This group of people, these Pharisees, they wanted to entangle Jesus in the words that he would say. They wanted Jesus to mess up and say something that would incriminate himself. Something that would get the crowd of people listening to go against Jesus. Something that would give the Pharisees the right to arrest Jesus and then take him before the Romans for execution. So the Pharisees, they asked a few questions and then another group of uh, people called the Sadducees, they, they asked them some questions as well, but none of the questions they asked trapped Jesus. None of the questions worked the way they had hoped. So the Pharisees, they get together and they try to think of the most complicated question that they could ask Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Which is the greatest commandment? This is a loaded and complicated question. In Jewish culture at the time, the law and all the commands that the law consisted of, they were necessary for the Jewish people to follow or at least attempt to follow. By asking which one was the greatest, uh, the Pharisees hoped Jesus would show neglect for other areas of the law, which would give them a reason to arrest him. Uh, Here's where it gets complicated, though. I'm sure most of you know about the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses and and then Moses gave to the Israelites. Laws from God um, that were only Ten Commands, not too complicated, right? Well, throughout the years, Jewish rabbis had continued to add laws to those commandments. Eventually, there were 613 different commandments. 613, okay, 613 commandments. Jesus, pick just one. Which one is the greatest? In their minds, the Pharisees are twisting the knobs on the Etch-a-Sketch. Up, right, down, left, hoping to trap Jesus in this box with this complicated question, a complicated question that required a complicated answer, right? The Pharisees, they grimace as they waited for Jesus to answer. Here's how Jesus responds. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two Commandments. Can you see the sly smiles on the faces of the Pharisees just start to disappear? All 613 complicated commands boiled down to two commands that basically state love God and love others. That's not complicated. That actually kind of makes sense. You see, the law, it was not complicated in Jesus' mind. He understood it completely. So he had no problem answering that question. Instead of holding one command higher than another, Jesus defined the law in its core principles. The whole law, all of those commands wrapped up into those two commands, love God and love others. So here we see clear evidence of God's desire for us to love him and to love others. And as we look in awe of Jesus's answer, we realize that not only are we called to have this healthy and growing relationship with God, but we are called to have healthy and growing relationships with one another. Our relationship with God matters and our relationships with one another matter. It doesn't have to be complicated, but we make it complicated sometimes. And even now, 
Maybe you're asking how, okay, I get it. Love God, love others, but how? Especially the others part, right? How exactly can we love others the way Jesus is commanding us to? With people being so complicated, with us being so complicated, some people going up and down while other people go left and right. What commands can we specifically follow that will aid us in loving others and loving God while we do it? As we take a step back and we look at the New Testament scripture as a whole, we can see that one of the major themes in, in the New Testament is having healthy relationships with one another. Not just suggesting it, but commanding it. Commands scattered throughout the New Testament, emphasizing the importance of us investing in our relationships with one another. Now those two words, one another, they are a key component that will help us live out what Jesus stated, love God, love others. Those two words are actually just one word in Greek. The Greek word is alelon. And that word is used 100 times in the New Testament. Over half the times it's used, it's used as a command in regards to strengthening, strengthening our relationship with others. And there's a total of 59 commands in the New Testament with one another attached to them. These commands, they're often referred to as the one another commands. And now some of the commands, they are repeated, like the command to love one another. That one's used the most multiple times. There, so there is specifically 30 different unique one another commands. Commands that are not complicated, but commands that simply state, love one another, forgive one another, encourage one another. Be patient with one another. Commands that we can add to our lives and relationships that will reduce some of the complications that we've allowed to make us feel overwhelmed or drained. Remember our math equation, the one that adds up to this supersized, complicated. What happens when we add Jesus to that equation? So we get complicated plus complicated plus Jesus, it equals grace. It does not equal more complications, it equals grace. When we add Jesus to our complications, we receive an abundance of grace. Not just grace for ourselves, but grace that we can freely and willingly give to others. A grace that does not complicate our lives, but does the exact opposite. Remember what focusing on complications does? It decreases our capacity to love others. When we focus on the grace that we receive from Jesus, it increases our capacity to love others. As we focus on Jesus, focus on his grace and follow the one another commands, it will radically change our relationship with God. It will radically change our relationship with others. But what does that grace look like? You hear that word and you're like, okay, but what does that even look like? Well, grace, it looks like sacrifice. As we follow some of the one another commands, we realize that there is grace in sacrificing ourselves for one another. We sacrifice our pride, right? We sacrifice our anger. We sacrifice some of the hurt that we have felt in relationships. As we sacrifice all that mess, it enables us to forgive easier. It enables us to choose peace rather than conflict. It enables us to choose good rather than hurt. Letting go of all those complications will aid us in fueling our relationships with forgiveness. It will fuel our relationships with peace. It will fuel our relationships with 
goodness, all one another commands. As we live out the sacrifice of grace in our lives, it makes, us, it, makes it so much easier to fulfill those commands in our relationships. That aspect of grace, it makes it easier to forgive one another, to be at peace with one another, and to truly seek good for one another. <laughs> but grace, it does not stop there. Grace looks like service as well. As we follow the one another commands, we realize that there is grace in serving one another. When we serve others, it lets them know that we are for them, that we are on their side. Even though we are all complicated, as we help and serve one another, we are able to look way beyond the complications. Serving someone could uh, simply ask them how you can help. It, it could also be writing someone a note, letting them know how amazing you think they are or, or thanking them. It could be praying for someone. Letting people know that we are for them, that we are on their side, that we are there for them through anything will aid us in fueling our relationships with devotion, encouragement, and prayer. And as we live out the service of grace in our lives, it makes it so much easier to follow those specific commands. The aspect of grace, it makes it easier to be devoted to one another, another, to encourage one another, and to pray for one another. But the grace, it does not stop there. What else does grace look like? Grace looks like surrender. Because let's be real, sometimes we complicate relationships because we have our own agendas. We have our own opinions. We often allow those agendas and opinions to dictate the way we respond and react to others in our relationships, making things more complicated. Letting go of those complications will show the person that we're thinking of them before ourselves. It shows the person that we accept them for who they are. It shows that we don't think we're better than them. It shows them that we have a deep respect for them. As we release and surrender our own agendas and opinions, it can fuel our relationships with acceptance, humility, and respect. As we live out the surrender of grace in our lives, it makes it so much easier to fulfill those specific commands. That aspect of grace makes it easier to accept one another, to be humble towards one another, and to respect one another. We sacrifice in our relationships. We serve in our relationships, and we surrender in our relationships. And with that, we, we no longer see relationships riddled with complications, but instead relationships full of aspects of grace, relationships filled with forgiveness, peace and goodness, devotion, encouragement and prayer, acceptance, humility and respect. Now those sound like relationship goals. Those things, they make sense. All of those one another commands being lived out in our relationships because of the grace that we receive from Jesus. When I was a kid, practicing handwriting was always difficult. Uh, I had to learn cursive back then as well. You guys remember cursive? Um, so practicing some of the letters, I would struggle with it. I, I, would, I would have a hard time. But my mom, um, she would always sit with me when I practiced my handwriting and 
Uh, there were times when she saw that I was struggling with a letter. Uh, she would place her hand gently on mine and she would say, hey, watch me do it. And then she would delicately move my hand and the writing utensil to, to show me how to do it. Watching her do it made it so much easier. It made it so much less complicated. As we look at all these one another commands in the Bible, it, it's pretty easy to realize that God has followed through with these commands in regards to his relationship with us. Not only that, but God, he saw us struggling. He knew that because of sin and mistakes in our lives, that our relationships were becoming complicated. So God said, here, watch me. God said, watch me do it when he sent Jesus to earth. And through Jesus's life and ministry on earth, we see him living out these commands in everything he said and did. In the Bible, we see how he has loved us, how he has forgiven us, how he has given us peace, how he has given us acceptance. And the list, it just goes on and on. We see often Jesus laying the foundations for these commands, showing us clearly the benefits of following God's commands for our life and our relationships. Here's what Jesus said in the book of John. Just as the father has loved me, I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. In the same way, I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that you will have the same joy. You hear that? The same joy that I have. I also want your joy to be complete. Here is my command, love one another just as I have loved you. No one has greater love than the one who gives their life for their friends. <laughs> Jesus, he was not making it complicated. He was simply saying, remain in my love. Stay close to me. Follow these commands. Love God. Love others. And you will experience an abundance of joy. A joy in your life and a joy in your relationships. Jesus, he followed these one another commands through his life here on earth one by one. He followed each one another command and it led him to the cross where because he loves us, he laid down his life for us. Jesus offered us grace through his sacrifice, his service and his surrender so that we could have a relationship with God. And so we could live out the same grace in our relationships today. All because of Jesus, God fulfills the one another commands in his relationship with us today. All our relationship with God is rooted in all of these commands, all driven by his love for us, all driven by the grace that we receive because of Jesus. And God is calling us to show that same grace, that same sacrifice, that same service, and that same surrender in our relationships with others. Because of God's love for us, it, it makes so much sense to share that same love with others. So let's, let's do this together. Let's, let's do simple math and let's add Jesus to every one of our relationships. Let's view each of our relationships through the lens of grace. Let's inject them with sacrifice, service, and surrender. And then let's watch God. Let's watch how he works in each and every one of our relationships for his glory. We often, um, 
in teaching time, we talk about messages and, and things like that, things that are coming up. And we, sometimes we, we want to come up with different things that you guys can take away with you, something you can hold, something you can look at throughout the week. We do prayer cards sometimes, you know that. Uh, we did the stickers with the daily gospel, things like that. This week, we've kind of come up with a bookmark. On the front of the bookmark, uh, it has our graphics for this series, Relationship Goals. On the other side, it has a number of the one another commands so that you can take this home, put it in your Bible, look at it when you read your Bible each day or hang it on your mirror, hang it in your car, put it on your fridge um, so that every day when you look at it, you would be reminded of the grace that you receive from Jesus and the grace that you can give in your relationships that you can be reminded to live these commands out in your relationships and, and you can watch how God just transforms your relationships because of that grace. And if you've come today and you feel the desire for someone to pray for you and your relationships, maybe you're in a relationship where you're just like, uh -huh, I've been showing grace. God has not shown up. Where is he? and you want prayer for that, we will pray for you today. Because it's hard. We know it. That's why we're doing a whole series. Um, but what I can tell you, if you are in that spot today, the God that we serve, he is sovereign. And the God that we serve, he is always working. Even when you think there is just darkness and there is no hope, be assured that God is moving and that he is working then eventually you will look back at that dark time in your life and that relationship and you will see how in that darkness, God was building you to be stronger than you could ever imagine. I've been there. He's done it before and I am living proof. And so he will continue to do it again and again and again and again. And I just started to go into a different sermon that I did not mean to. But <laughs> last weekend, uh, we celebrated Easter the resurrection of Jesus, but we also celebrated the resurrection of 41 people that were baptized here last week. So maybe you came last weekend, maybe you saw that happen, maybe you saw online, maybe you just heard about it uh, and something stirred inside of you. If, you. if you would like to be baptized today, if you would like to be buried in the death and resurrection of Jesus and live your life in his grace, then come forward as we sing this next song. I believe we already have a couple baptisms happening. So the water is ready. The water will always be ready if you want to be baptized. So if that's on your heart today, come forward and we will make it happen. But if you would stand with me now, I, I would like to pray for you before I hop off the stage. <sighs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace, God. Oh, the grace that we do not deserve. We just pray as we leave today, <laughs> whether we're going home to complications, we just pray that we would be reminded of your grace, your love. We'd be reminded of the sacrifice and the service and surrender that we receive from Jesus and that we would give that same grace in our relationships, God. And, and we just pray whatever complications we face, whatever complications we feel like we're holding on to in ourselves, that you would just rip them away from us, God, that you would tear us apart so that we could see who we can become in your grace. So as we leave today, we just pray that we leave 
making an effort to live in that grace and allowing that grace to overflow in abundance so that we would feel your joy in all that we do. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and follow us on our social media platforms. That way you can stay up to date with what's happening here at Central. And as always, have a great week.